Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That's what she said. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it never does. Who was caught on surveillance camera? De- de- who was caught on? Com- who was caught on surveillance camera? Determinate. Determinately. There's another one of my words. It's so, such a sad, 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 sad. Um, I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. Blocking that out. Right. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. As we've been reporting, the death of 22-year-old Gabby Petito is being investigated as a homicide. We begin with the latest on the search to find Brian Laundry, the only person of interest in the homicide death of Gabby Petito. Well, hello, crime creeps. It's your pal, Mark. And Charity. And this is the Case Watch Podcast, where we love to bring you so much fun and entertainment each and every week. We sure do. Best segment of the week, Triple D. Let's get into it. Let's do it. We have dimwits, dipshits, and douchebag. Charity, take it away. I'm going to start out with this little clip. Let me just tell you. A man arrested after breaking into a jail. Wait. Uh Uh-huh. That's the first headline. Did you say breaking in? He broke into the jail. Okay. All right. Now I need to hear more. So California man said he was fleeing a man with a gun. So guards usually don't have to watch for people breaking into a jail. So it's maybe only a little surprising that they didn't notice the man climbing over two fences, then scrambling up to the second floor door. An alarm went off in the Maple Street Correctional Center and the man was arrested. At least they didn't have to bring him very far to uh, put him in jail. Why would you break into a jail? Charity, I have (laughs) discovered that it takes all kinds of special to be Uh, adding up into this world. And this guy is a part of special. Yeah. Any more, Charity? I do. Uh, I figured you did. The next one says this. UK police say it was an easy arrest. So police in Britain say they received a suspicious call related to a burglary to a Related to a burglary. Why can't I say well, that word? Wait a minute. Wait, we found. We oh, just found Charity's it. word she cannot say. Charity, say it again. Say it five times fast. Burglary, 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 burglary. Ah. Related to a burglary on Wednesday. One that came from the unsuspecting burglars themselves. Police say one of the two men arrested had butt dialed. 999, which is the emergency number in the UK, allowing authorities to listen in as the crime was being committed. And track it. Because they got the and location. Oh my God. Fantastic, right? That's excellent. Well, Charity, if there's anything I've learned from doing this podcast with you, you do not let us down with the triple Ds. I'm sure the next one will be just as good. You better do. So in this next one, they're calling it a botched prison escape in Ohio, and it ended in an embarrassing fashion. ABC7 calls it an epic fail, or should it be epic fall? It was all of these things for Jessica Boomershine, great last name, by the way, 
who was caught on surveillance camera determinate, determinately, there's another one of my words, trying to find her way out of a lounge-like area in Montgomery County Jail in Dayton. Both media outlets have a clip which show Boomershine with other inmates casually watching, standing on a kiosk seat and looking up at the ceiling. She then drags a chair over, climbs atop the kiosk monitor, and apparently removes a sailing tile. That part can't be seen on screen. She then hoists herself up and her legs disappear out of view. (laughs) So the ceiling mark apparently wasn't able to withstand escapes. So the ceiling completely gave away, leaving her legs dangling. Correction officers are in the room by this point and they grab her legs. She eventually lets go of the ceiling and crashes down to the ground, a trash can breaking her head's fall. Oh. Boomershine now has has escape and vandalism charges tacked onto the charges she already was facing, including kidnapping, felony assault, burglary, robbery, and grand theft related to an attack on an 85-year-old man per ABC7. That's hysterical. Let's unpack this. All right. So her attacking an 87-year-old man is a douchebag. Douchebag. Um, So when I have put all three of these cases together and I have to pick, the first guy broke into a prison. That guy's a dimwit. Total dimwit. Dimwit. I mean, at least this this girl was trying to break out. Yes. So she's just a, a, a dipshit. A dipshit. Yeah, so I mean, we are all three in one. We did. You that's just so went ex- three for three, Charity. That's, I'm proud of you. That's so exciting. That is. All right. You know what else is exciting? What? I heard you just researched another Halloween case. I sure did. All right, Charity. Enlighten us, my dear. What do you have for us now? Well, Mark, it's called the Halloween Love Triangle Murder. And I actually named it that myself. But later in the story, you see what they actually call it back then. Okay. So, and it was Halloween of 1957. All right. I know we love the word douche here and so don't all our listeners. But since this case happened back in the 50s, I don't think using douche is appropriate. Charity, we got to figure out something to use for an older person back in the day. I have a really good word. And this killer is a female. Oh, yeah. We got two for one here. But I think wank hammer is fantastic. Wait, what did you say? Wank hammer. I think that is my new favorite word. I love it. Okay, this is about a wank hammer, guys. Excellent. Charity, take it away. So let's start with the, the people who are involved in this case. So we have Goldine Pizer, who is the shooter. Peter Fabiano, who is the one that was killed. We have Joan Rabel. She's the jilted lover. And then we have Betty Fabiano, who is Peter's wife. And then we have Judy, Betty's daughter from a previous marriage before she married Peter. All right. So now I have the cast of characters. Okay. So let's first start about how Peter and Betty met. So in the early 1940s, Betty was divorced and had two children when she met Peter. They lived in New York during the beginning of their marriage and then moved to Los Angeles. Peter was a hairstylist and owned his own salon there. They were just hanging out. He had a little business going on and for all accounts, they seemed really happy. Well, let's introduce Joan Rabel into the story. So, Please do. Yes. Joan Rabel is the person that we're going to refer to as the wank hammer in this I love story. wank hammer. I'm going to try to use that in five different scenarios tomorrow in my real life. Fantastic. I'm super excited. I love that. So Joan was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 1917. She was actually a writer and a photographer. And from all I've read, she's a pretty good one. But she walked into Peter's salon looking for work in 1957. She was actually divorced at this time, and 
she was hired by Peter. After she was hired, hired, she met Betty and she and Betty became extremely quick friends, totally inseparable, best friends. And when Betty and Peter started to kind of have some problems in their marriage, who did she talk to? She talked to her best friend. The wank hammer. The wank hammer. So they talked to, she talked to her best friend about these things. And, you know, Joan thought it would be a good idea for her to move in with her. Wait a minute. Was that an idea or an idea? Whatevs. An idea to move in with her and take a break from Peter. So, you know, Betty did just that. So Peter, poor Peter, he didn't understand the closeness of the two women, and it really bothered him. Well, this is also the 50s, you said, too. So This is the 50s, guys, so keep this in mind. At the time, the Los Angeles Times called the woman's relationship as abnormal. Hmm. Because, you know, in the 1950s, that was not something, you know, we've it come a long... It was very abnormal in that time period. We've come a long way, peeps. So this term was used to describe being gay in the 1950s. So Betty eventually decided that she wanted to get back with Peter. So she broke down and she told Peter all about her affair with Joan, which back then must have been really hard because it wasn't something talked about. And for her to tell her husband, listen, you need to accept me. If, you, if we're going to get back together, you need to accept me. And this has to be put behind us. So in doing this, she had to promise that she was never going to see Joan ever again. Which, understandable, right? This is yeah, a person... I would, I would probably feel that way. Whether, whether it's a male or a female that you had the affair with, you had an emotional connection to this person. And, you know, I don't think that was an unrealistic request of Peter's, in my opinion. I, I, I agree with you. But, Charity, I'm going to go out on a limb and say somebody did not agree with this. Somebody, was it a wank hammer? Somebody didn't like this, Mark. Ugh. I can't wait. I'm like on the edge of my seat now. This is exciting. So let's talk about Goldine Heiser. This was still in 1957. Goldine was a medical secretary. She was also divorced from her husband, Herbert Chrome, at this time. And this is also the time, Mark, where Goldine meets Joan. And upon meeting, just like when Joan met Betty, these two girls were inseparable. They were together all the time. And it had been said that Goldine was also a lesbian and spent her life trying to ignore these feelings. So she... Wait a minute. I'm going to guess this case. Do they, at the end, grab each other's hands and drive off a cliff? No. I've heard that story before, though. That's a good maybe scenario, but no. Okay. But a good one. Continue. So she spent her life so unhappy and just hiding who she really was from the world. So she meets this person who wants to show her that she could be happy with another woman. So they're together all the time, you know, and Joan now started to feed Goldine with stories about her employer. So she starts to feed her all these fake stories about Peter. Remember, she works at the hair salon. And she said that Peter was actually evil. And then she started to seduce Goldine to have her kill Peter and get revenge for Betty leaving and her going back to him. So this poor girl was so impressionable at the time. She even releases a statement saying, yeah, I'm impressionable and I let people take advantage of me. So she only is hearing this one side of the story saying that this man is completely evil and that he's horrible to his wife. He is absolutely, he should, he should be killed. I can't believe someone hasn't killed him yet. I can't believe it. I can't even work for him anymore. My life is miserable because of him and is just really at this all the time to this girl that now totally believes her because now she's being seduced. So she's finally happy in her like in her life relationship. She's feeling validated in, in her feelings. And yep. now I, I get where she's now almost willing to do something to make these feelings continue. Absolutely. This is sketchy how 
how yeah. easy some people are impressions. So Goldine was actually quoted saying, I had no motive personally. Whatever motive I had was to please Joan. I was always easily influenced. I have been impressionable and always trusting. Joan finally convinced Goldine to kill Peter. So she bought a 38 Smith & Wesson, telling the shop owner that she was buying the gun for personal protection. Hmm. Would you like to know how the gun was used? I have a couple of guesses, but I would definitely love to see where this story continues. Okay, hold on. Maybe we should leave in the turning pages of my notebook. This isn't a joke when we said a couple episodes ago <laughs> that Cherry has a notebook. So like literally so maybe, what you just heard was her flipping the page because so she hasn't got in the 20th century and use a laptop like I do. I was trying to be so, we have always trying to be so professional, but maybe just so that the listeners can actually realize that it is an actual notebook. You should leave that in for them. Of they course. Might, they might enjoy it. We, we should, I still think we should take a picture and show people. Okay. My little scribblings. Yes. My do scribbles. Okay, so now we're at Halloween night, 1957. Oh, Halloween. This is where it gets this good. Is where it gets good, guys, or not so good for some people. So Joan, being as smart as she is, borrowed a car from a friend. That way, you know, no one would know it was them. And she and Goldine waited patiently outside the Fabiano's house. They watched and they waited until finally the bedroom light shut off. Now, it was also said that for weeks before this... They would drive by the home. They would sit. They would watch their activities. They would figure out exactly what time they liked to go to bed. Usually they would, you know, she wanted Goldine to know exactly who Peter was. So dressed in blue jeans, a khaki jacket, red gloves, and very heavy makeup, wearing a superhero mask. <laughs> and they Sorry. said it was a superhero mask, like, um, you know, like Batman and Robin. It was like a Robin mask. Okay. I, I forget the name of that, but that little black one he wore. Oh, that way, okay. nobody would know who they were. So she went up to the front door and rang the bell. So this was a little bit after 11 p.m. So trick or treat. Well, especially back in the day, you know, trick or treat ended pretty, pretty early. Right. So it was a little strange, but who knows? Right. So when the doorbell rang, Peter was the one that got out of bed. And just like you, Mark, he assumed that the ring was from a late trick-or-treater. He grabbed the candy bowl like anyone would and just walked over to open the door, right? Because he's the man of the house. He's going to get up just in case who's at the door. We don't know. So he said his last words were, it's a little late for this, isn't it? Page is turning. <laughs> next, next page, Charity. Hope that doesn't annoy people. So the response from Goldine was no. She then raised a brown paper bag. So in this brown paper bag, she had the gun with the brown paper bag. I thought that was something they just did in the cartoon. Somebody nope. actually put the gun in, into yep. a paper and bag with a gun. And then she inserted her second hand into the bag so she could point it right at him. Oh, my God. And she pulled the trigger nervously. And just as she did that, Peter fell. So at this time, Goldine is freaked out because, hi, I just killed somebody. Or she didn't know she killed him, but... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. She hoped she did, but she definitely shot him. And she quickly ran back to the car. So this is where it gets even more effed up, guys. Joan kissed her and said, thank you. It was said that the two women burned their clothes and returned the borrowed car. Because, you know, you, you got to give back what you borrow. So I wonder if they, you know, they burned their clothes right away. Did they leave blood stains in the car? Like, I'm Dri- sure. Driving the borrowed car naked back to the house? Of course, Mark would want that to happen. <laughs> this part really pisses me off. So Joan then said to Goldine, forget you ever knew me. So she seduced this woman for however long. She did that that night. It didn't say if it was that night, but I assumed it was. I could be wrong, but she did say that to her. Forget you ever knew me. So this entire time, she thought she was, the two women were madly in love and she was saving the life of her lover from an evil man. Oh my God. Isn't that, ugh. That is, that is horrific. Like, what a biatch. I'm sorry. Like, that is so, that's so mean. So, an attempt to hide the gun. That I'm going to go out on a limb here and say she's a twat waffle. Yeah. That is the word of the day, and I would give that one credit to one person, but that one has been sent in to us, I would say, yes. about 72 times this week. It has. That it's, is no joke. It's a it's a fan fave. <laughs> the, the waffle is a fan favorite word of the day, and you just got it. So in an attempt to hide the gun, like I said, um, that Goldine used, she rented a locker at a department store nearby. So back in the day, apparently, at big department stores, you could rent a locker. Oh, I do remember that. For your things. I remember reading stuff about that in the past. So she Actually, when I was younger, uh, there was a store called Woolworths. And yes. you, they had the little lockers by the bathroom that you could use. It yes. was like 25 cents or something. Yes. So instead of, you know, throwing it into the water, trying to destroy it, giving it to someone to, to hide, throwing it into the woods, throwing it anywhere. The gun's still good, right, Mark? She might need it. Yeah, you never know. She might get seduced again and have to uh, kill somebody. Right. So you just put it in like a little storage container at a local department store and like no one's going to find it. That is a super creative hiding spot, actually. So now at this time, right after the shot was fired, Betty, of course, Peter's wife, runs out and finds him with a bullet just underneath his heart. So Betty's 15 year old daughter, Judy, was the one to call the police. So she unfortunately saw. Oh, horrible. Yeah. So and then. Later at the hospital, Peter died. So Betty was so upset. They had to sedate her for days before the police could even question her. Now it makes me wonder how long until the wank hammer comes and tries to console her. I got about three more pages left. Let's go. Oh, let's go. Yeah. So Betty was able to tell the police that she heard two voices. One was kind of masculine and then also heard a voice that sounded like it was a man impersonating a woman. So clearly, I don't know if she heard both of them and just thought she did or this Goldine tried to make her voice lower to sound like a man, but because she's a woman, it sounded like a man pretending to be a woman. Who knows? But she definitely said so she, she was a man. She's a woman pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman doing a man's voice. I don't know. Maybe. I'm unpacking that in my head. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. So the police at first thought this was a gang killing, but couldn't understand why Peter would be targeted. The only thing in his background check was a misdemeanor charge in 1948 for working as a bookie, but who didn't? Who didn't work as a bookie back then, right? Oh, I would have been king in the 50s. Oh, you would have totally been a You would have been in a zoot suit. Is that the when it was? That's zoot the 30s. Suit, no, right. that's the 30s. Right. I think that's the 30s. I'm getting that wrong. Eh, I would still have fun. But I still pitch you in like a full suit with like one of those. I'd be like Biff from Back to the Future. I'd be the man. Oh, Biff. That's awesome. So thinking back and really like just trying so hard to think of who would do this to her husband. Guess what? The only person Betty could think of that might want to kill Peter was indeed... Joan, 
her jilted lover. So the police took Joan in, but at the time they didn't have enough evidence to keep her. Two weeks later, guess what? The gun was found in the storage unit. It was, of course, registered to 40-year-old Goldine Pizer. Shocking. Aren't, aren't you glad they borrowed a different car so it wouldn't be in their name, but then rent the box in their name? And buy a gun in your own name and register in your own name. Not, not find a criminal and say, hey, can I buy a gun off of you? Not a lot of thought went into this. No. I mean, this was the 50s. They probably could have found better ways to do this. Well, seriously, right? Back in the 50s, there, was, there weren't cell phones. No one could take a picture of you. I mean, be smarter here, people. Let's go. So Goldine just thought she was saving her friend from an evil person. She was uh, arrested on November 12th, which was almost two weeks after the murder. And then Joan was arrested shortly after. Goldine was quoted saying, she told me that Mr. Fabiano was a vile, evil man, a man who destroys everything around him. She told me that he mistreated his wife and that he was dealing narcotics. Oh, so bad. All of these things, people, if you have a really close friend, like, all right, so Mark's girlfriend, right? Love her. She's like one of my She's the best. Friends. She's one of the, she's the best. So if she started telling me all these nasty things about Mark. You'd be like, let's burn him at the stake. Well, probably, but I would, I would research it first before I murdered him. And I, I wouldn't murder him. So. And I wouldn't murder him. Thank you. Because I'm not a murderer, but I would research. Wouldn't you look into it a little bit and say, and say kind of ask around and say, hey, is this person really this, not a nice person? This woman had nobody to turn to and she found someone who brought her in and showed her the comfort that she was so willing to do. I think she believed her hook, line and sinker because she just wanted to believe that this person was in love with her. Just sad. It, it is very sad. She was very much taken advantage of so far. Because now, now, now. Goldine had to live with the fact that she killed a man who had stepchildren and was happily married and had a nice little business going on. It was then reported that Goldine bought a gun using money that Joan had given her and that they had driven by the Fabiano home weeks before the shooting, like I had said earlier, so that she would know exactly who Peter was. The trial for the women was scheduled for late December. Both women pleaded innocent. Goldine was reason of insanity and she cried as she told the story to the jury. So... She probably said to herself, I must have been insane if I actually believed that. I feel like, bad for this woman. I do too. Because like looking back, who knows? Like back then they didn't do IQ tests or anything like that. I'm not saying she was stupid, but it was so easy for her to believe her who she thought she was her lover that I would look back and say, geez, was I, was I crazy? Because I actually believed that story and actually killed a man. You know, you would think that. So both Goldine and Joan were charged with first degree murder, but was later reduced to second degree due to a plea deal. They were sentenced by the judge for five years to life only five years to life uh juggy jiggy what five years yeah five years five years that is unbelievable so according to reports goldine was eventually released and stayed in the los angeles area uh, she was released in 1971 it's said that she died at age 83 in 1988 so she was in jail for what by the time the trial, let's do the math on that. She was released in 1971. That's not long enough for killing somebody. I'm sorry. No, I, I do feel bad for her though. I do. I do. Cause she, that may have played some sort of into why it was not as long as well, but oh. Well, it's weird because all of the reading I did. So it all I could find was Joan was released at some point, but she was never seen or heard of. So some say she may have died in jail. There's actually, I couldn't find any record on it whatsoever. Oh, that would be such a pity. Right? It's horrible. So I don't know if she died in jail or she killed herself or, you know, whatever. So as far as all, any 
any reports that I read, Betty went on to live a long, full life, and she ended up passing away in 1999 at age 81. That is a very interesting story. So one last thing to this. So in April 1958, the Valley News Sun published an article criticizing the leniency of local judges and prosecutors on what was referred to as the trick-or-treat murder. It was said that women were treated softly in the courtroom. So they, they looked back then, even in 1958, they looked into us and said, no, this isn't right. Like they killed a man. Yeah. And, you know, we do feel bad for Goldine, but Joan's just a hardcore. All right, Mark, say it. Uh, Wayne Kammer. Correct. Wow. All right. So that was an awesome story, Charity. I, I cannot believe I've never heard of that. And I actually threw a reference out there that I think went right over the top of your head. Oh, man. And I want to know if the listeners know what it is. And if oh. you do, reach out to us on social media, Case Watch Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And we are Case Watch Pod on Twitter. Or if you're old like me, email info at casewatchpodcast.com. I said two girls grabbed their hands and drove off the cliff together. If you know oh. what I'm talking to. Send it in. Now I know when you put it like that. Oh, see, it went right over your head. You, you were right in page turning mode, my, reading a story. Was, you didn't was, even get I it. I was engrossed in my story, Mark. We'll see if the uh, creeps know what it is. I'd love to see I bet they will. what your responses are. We have are. our creeps are the smartest out there. Charity, we might have some possible news. Do you want to break it here? We've put it out on Facebook, so let's set it. Let's say it to all the other listeners. All right. We are thinking about doing a live show this Halloween where we just hang out, shoot the shit. Talk to you guys. You guys can send us messages. We'll talk about it. We'll do it right on Facebook Live. Halloween night, Eastern time. So I got to make sure we say that. Eastern time in the United States, probably around seven o'clock. Yeah. Send us questions. Join the show. Watch the program. Get to see what we look like. Have some fun and, you know, tell stories. I hope that doesn't hinder us. (laughs) It might on my end, not on yours. No, no, no. Not at all. All right. Until the next episode, thank you, everybody, for reaching out. Thank you for help growing the show. We appreciate it. Tag us in your posts. Let let your friends know. We're growing, and we want to grow more, and we want to come back and talk to you each and every week. Until next time we're together, have a great day, guys. Bye. See ya. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.